Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. If you enjoy listening to Corology, then I need your help. Here's why. I create Corology by myself on a shoestring budget, recording and editing every episode in my tiny closet. How's that for irony? That's where you come in. Will you help keep Corology on the air by supporting it financially? By tipping as little as $1 a month, you can help me improve and keep making Corology every week. All you have to do is jump over to MatthiasRoberts.com support to make a pledge and listen away. Hey friends, this is Matthias Roberts and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 73. I think sometimes for folks it can feel socially stunting and can sometimes feel discouraging because it feels like we're almost thrown right back into puberty decades beyond when most people experience that. Sarah Kessler is a life coach, speaker, and writer who is passionate about connecting with individuals and empowering them to live a life marked by radical self-love, freedom, and endless possibility. As a certified professional coach specializing in core energy coaching, Sarah engages in highly creative, research-based methodologies to bring heightened awareness to her clients while equipping them with tools to shift internal blocks and to step into new possibilities. Sarah resides in Denver, Colorado with her wife, Stacy, and their new puppy, Kamari, who is so cute. Like, my gosh, Sarah is one of my best friends. I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. Uh, she's someone who uh, has had profound impact on my life. Uh, we've been friends for years. She just recently started working with uh, Candace Zubernat and the team over at the Christian Closet. Uh, so, if, so if you're looking for a life coach, uh, Sarah also does a little bit of spiritual direction. Join her over at the Christian Closet. We're talking a lot about this idea of second adolescence, which we define in the episode, but it was kind of this idea of of having to go through adolescence again, what feels like adolescence. After you come out, that that experience of, of of trying to date or figure out like all these new feelings that are happening once you're being honest with the world, uh, really good conversation about that. Uh, before we dive into all of that, uh, I know this last week has been a particularly hard week for so many of us, uh, especially those of us who are part of the United Methodist Church uh, with their ruling to uphold their ban on LGBTQ clergy and blessing same-sex relationships and marriages. So uh, that's, that's a really unfortunate uh, choice on their part, and I know that that has hit so many of us, uh, really hard. Uh, in light of that, I'm really excited to talk about this new campaign that a whole bunch of organizations have have come together uh, to do for Lent this year. Uh, Tell your pastor I'm affirming campaign. 
is, is being spearheaded by the folks over at Generous Space Ministries, which is a Canadian uh, organization working for LGBTQ equality uh, up in Canada and worldwide. Uh, a ton of organizations, including Queerology, uh, QCF, the Reformation Project. I know Kevin Garcia has been on board, uh, Susan Cottrell, uh, the, the people over at Free Moms Hugs. Like We're all getting together to show our support and hopefully impact some change. Uh, so this Lenten season, we're inviting Christians to give up fear and silence, to step into the light in support of LGBTQ plus siblings in Christ. Uh, this may mean repentance for past action or belief that's excluded and harmed LGBTQ plus people. And it may mean acknowledging that silence and inaction contributes to that injustice. Uh, so we're inviting you to tell your pastor that you support full participation and full affirmation of LGBTQ plus people in the church. It can be scary for a pastor to speak out on LGBTQ plus justice if they feel like their church isn't a place to process that well. But imagine the difference it might make if they heard from you. Sometime during the 40 days of Lent, we want you to make a concrete plan to talk to your church leadership about your support for LGBTQ plus people. Uh, This is an especially good thing to do if you're a straight ally. I, I know for those of us who are LGBTQ plus, it can be a little bit harder, especially if we're not out. And I would hope that you would consider your your safety above all. Uh, so don't just jump into this <laughs> just because everyone else is doing it. But for, for those of you who are, who are straight, this would be a really good thing to do over Lent. Uh, there's going to be more information coming out about this as Lent starts. Uh, so watch my social media, watch Generous Spaces social media, any of these organizations' social media will be posting about it. Uh, there's Facebook banners, there's all kinds of stuff that's going to be happening. Uh, basically so that we can show the groundswell of how many people are out there who are affirming uh, and maybe spark some conversations uh, to change things in some of our churches. Okay, let's go ahead and dive in. Sarah, hi, welcome. Thanks, Matthias. It's so fun to chat with you today. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> it's so weird jumping from like having a conversation right before to like, hi. <laughs> uh-huh. It's uh, just talking to one of my closest friends with everyone listening. It's great. We like talk on the phone all the time. So we like be doing this. <laughs> anyway, welcome. Um, so to start the question I ask everyone, um, how do you identify And how would you say that your faith has helped form that identity? So I identify, well, first of all, my pronouns are are she and her. And I would say I identify uh, spiritually as a a Christian mystic, if I use any any language at all. And I identify as gay. I am married to a woman, Stacey. Um, We got married this past August. And I would say ultimately I identify as as an as an empath, as someone who has a lot of compassion for other people. I identify as a coach. Um, I identify as a friend. And uh, something over the years that I've learned is my identity is not necessarily tied to one specific description of myself, but rather the ways in which I show up and the different ways of being um, that I'm able to embody. You mentioned coaching, and I mm-hmm. feel like we can just dive right into conversation um, yeah. <clears throat> because I, we're going to start getting into some conversation around this concept mm-hmm. of second adolescence, which I feel like is something that's talked about a whole lot, but there aren't a ton of resources out there yeah. around it. Um, but maybe before we get into all of that, 
could you kind of describe like, I mean, when you say you're a coach, like, what does that mean? Yeah, great question. Um, Because I think that coaching kind of has this different connotation in different circles. Uh, I'm married to a therapist. And when we first started dating and she knew I was doing coaching, it was just kind of like, what does that even mean? But for me, uh, what it means is a few years ago, I went through a, a coach certification program. It's uh, an internationally recognized program. So the kind of coaching I practice, it's called core energy coaching. And just to kind of make a distinction, I know a lot of people are familiar with therapy, but the difference between therapy and coaching at the most basic level is a lot of times therapy is is moving people from a place of past-oriented um, behaviors or thoughts or just trauma that they need to get through into the present. So kind of helping people come from some sort of place of dysfunction to functionality. I love therapy. I've seen my therapist kind of on and off for the past five years. So I'm all about it. And I don't really adopt this either or um, methodology around coaching or therapy. I think it can be really valuable to have both. However, I think what therapy does is it, is it catches us up to the present so that then when we're ready to kind of be op- um, action-oriented, to kind of move from functional to optimal, coaching kind of takes it to that next level of, okay, what can we create now? So while coaching does have a goal-oriented method to it, I am not the kind of coach that's like, okay, let's set a, let's set a list of goals and let's make it happen. It's first really getting underneath and saying, who are you? based on your values, based on your beliefs, based on who you've known yourself to be. Um, How are you showing up in the world and how does that compare to how you want to be showing up in the world? And then what needs to shift in order to make that happen so that you're fully integrating all of who you are? So I'm, I'm so passionate about helping people discover that for themselves. And I've done lots of my own work over the past several years that I think just just pushed this passion forth even more. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mm-hmm. love it. Yeah. It's such a needed, needed thing, especially I think for people who are queer, um, because mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of that. Uh, I, I don't know if it's fair to say that we don't have that support system, but I feel like we do need, we, we need that in our lives. People who are helping us move forward, I'm really curious about this concept of second adolescence. Yeah. Um, Because that's something that I feel like it comes up in conversations, at least in the circles that I run in, all the time. I'm Hmm. like... (laughs) online i think in in the in the facebook groups that i'm a part of i see it everywhere this this idea of once we come mm-hmm. out we kind of have to go through adolescence again because we didn't get to experience that and this is specifically for like queer people we didn't get to experience like maybe dating in high school yeah. or we didn't go through some of those quote unquote normal experiences um and we feel at a loss we're, we're going through it in our 20s and our 30s and Absolutely. our 40s like um, I'd, I'd love to hear you kind of talk about that, um, yeah. and what it is and, and, and some of the work that you're doing in that area. So second adolescence, as, as you've described, it's kind of this feeling and this experience of having these ideas about romance or kind of feeling, sometimes it's feeling more comfortable with our own bodies or self-expression that a lot of, um, cis straight folks experience in middle school and high school. So um, it could be something as simple as, oh, I'm having 
butterflies for the first time and I, I'm feeling this experience of being in love for the first time. That happened for me for the first time in my life when I was 23. And I dated people before. I had dated guys before. And that had never been my experience. And so it's like this whole world opened up to me, but it can feel confusing. Um, I, I think sometimes for folks it can feel emotionally or socially stunting and can sometimes feel discouraging because it feels like we're almost thrown right back into puberty decades <laughs> beyond when most people experience that. But my encouragement to people who are experiencing who are experiencing or have experienced that would be this. So while this experience of second adolescence um, can can make us feel like we're maybe reverting in our in our growth and our emotional social maturity, this really beautiful thing happens for LGBTQ folks that that is really unique to our community, I think. And it's that in the coming out process, and so far I have not been able to think of any anything socially that compares to this coming out process. So if you have anything, please feel free to to throw it out there. But it's so unique because at some point in our lives, instead of just saying, this is the way I've always been, this is the way I'm always going to be, there's this juncture where we transition from this is just the way things are to this is what I'm choosing to let you into. I'm sharing this part of myself. I'm choosing honesty. I'm choosing authenticity. And I'm inviting those of you in who are able to take this journey with me. And I'm setting boundaries for myself for those of you who can't. And it's such a unique experience because it's really taking ownership of our lives, asserting ourselves, placing self-care and authenticity really at the top of our, our values. Um, and it's, it's not something that is common in the adult experience other than in this framework of coming out. And so while the beginning might feel like the second adolescence, my encouragement to those of you who felt this or are feeling it or hearing about this for the first time is that coming out grants us access to a way of being that most adults do not experience until the second half or towards the end even of their lives at times. Because what it does is it connects who we are to a deeper why. I, I'll, I'll speak from my own process. I didn't come out until it was, it was after Africa. It was like after college, after Africa. And for me, my why was I could no longer sustain the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual toll of my own silence. I could no longer sustain feeling split um, and, and dishonest. I mean, I remember there was one week actually where I had hives all over my body and everyone's like, did you change your laundry detergent? Did you eat something new? And I was kind of at the beginning of my coming out process and I was like, no, it's, it's stress. It's just an extreme amount of stress. And my body was breaking down and my emotions, I mean, it, it just wasn't sustainable. And so my why when I came out was I want to be fully known, fully seen and fully authentic in my life. I do not want to hide anything. I do not want to be imprisoned to shame as I have been for years just because of the weight of secrecy. And in that process, I started realizing that in my life and in my relationships, 
without knowing it, I started to become a leader of, of self-care, of intentionality, of doing things on purpose, of really connecting to a deeper why. Because th- the way that we work as humans, as we keep doing something until it stops working for us, but we don't just, we don't just stop doing stuff when it sort of is uncomfortable it has to get like pretty bad before we before we change things. Um, and it's because we're used to things that are familiar, that are comfortable. And so what LGBTQ folks who, who feel like they are in a safe space to come out, um, who feel like they're in a space where that is something they can offer, and I totally realize that not everyone has a safe space to do that, so please hear me say that. Um, I actually moved all the way across the country before I could do that for myself. Um, I moved to Denver. I didn't know anyone. Uh, I had a couple of acquaintances, but I just, I, that's what I needed to do for myself. And what it gave me access to was this way of being that is very much connected to why I'm alive, why I do what I do. And it gave me access to this intentionality and this freedom that I never had access to before. So while coming out can feel like you're, you're walking through this doorway, we'll just use the closet analogy, okay? So you're walking out of this closet, right? And you're leaving behind this familiar space. And even if that familiar space was scary, was isolating, um, did not feel genuine, it was still familiar. We, we all knew how to navigate our pre-coming out days, right? Because we did it until we didn't. And walking through that door into this new unfamiliar world where we're not even really sure how to, how to walk around, how to navigate it, that second adolescence part actually gives us access to this wide open world of possibility and of opportunity. Because now that we've, we've learned kind of how to use our voice and how to say, this is who I am. This is how I'm showing up in the world. We get to create that in every space in our lives. I feel like that's such a beautiful take on what the coming out experience is. Because you're drawing a connection between coming out being a way of diving deeper into ourselves, finding that why. Like I feel like for so many of us who do come out, like we have to work ourselves up so much and really like really be certain (laughs) before it happens because it's such a big thing to come out. It's almost like we're coming out, right, of shame, we're coming out of fear, we're coming out of hiding, and we're coming into truth, authenticity, vulnerability, actually having access to the full spectrum of emotion. I don't know if you've experienced this, but for me, what I started to realize when I moved through the grief aspect of coming out, of losing people, of feeling the pain of what I perceived as rejection, um, I suddenly had access to all of these emotions that I had stuffed for so long. Um, I did a three-week silent retreat that was brutally painful, but also one of the most transformative experiences of my life a couple, actually a few years ago. And what I realized there is, as I went deeper into my journey, all of these emotions, maybe what I had interpreted as anger or just sadness before, they had all of these different faces to them. Anger um, was sometimes regret. It was sometimes disappointment. It was sometimes fear. Uh, My sadness, actually, sometimes it was just this experience of tremendous loss, this deep grief, 
Sometimes my sadness was just exhaustion. Um, and so this whole coming out process and coming into myself gave me access to just so many more experiences because once I started practicing honesty in one area of my life, suddenly I gained access to honesty in every area of my life. And I was no longer content to settle for half-assing things, to be honest with you. I, I was no longer content to say, this is the part of myself I'm going to offer, but I'm not going to offer this other part. Uh, yeah, it, it, it helped me to become a more integrated person, which is, is part of why I'm so passionate about helping other people kind of move through this because the cost of authenticity, while great, while deep, <laughs> while excruciatingly painful at times, in my experience and in the experience of, of other LGBTQ folks kind of on this other side of that, um, the cost does not outweigh the joy and the gain of being able to completely integrate all parts of myself. And, and it's not to say that it always gets, gets to be perfect. I mean, um, and even marriage, that doesn't solve everything. Uh, we still have some things that we work through in terms of family members that are not fully on board or just having conversations with people um, that are still hurtful at times. But I will say it does get better. And part of what makes it better is not how other people respond or how they choose to do something different. It's how you choose to show up differently. And I will say that me showing up differently started to shift how my family showed up years ago. They were all at our wedding. My dad built crates and like cut down a tree and made wood trivets for the tables at our reception. I mean, you saw them, you were there. Um, and that is not something I could have fathomed so, like five years ago at all. That was not where they were. But as we started to offer each other our honesty and our intentionality, I've seen other people's walls come down too of, wow, if you can really live into the space of truth and being real and self-love, what is possible for me? Mm. I, I love that because it's, it's, you're inviting people to experience the same kind of like mm -hmm. truth. Like you're inviting yeah. people into, you're using the word authenticity, an authentic way of being, which I feel like for a lot of us, like coming out is stepping into that. I'm curious because I, I feel like you're talking about what we can be, um, mm -hmm. which is such a beautiful picture <laughs> of it. Um, for those of us who are in that space of where we feel like we're back in high school. like <laughs> Yeah, what happens when all, we're still there? Absolutely. Totally. Like all these, like, because I know like when I first started, when I, when I first came out and started trying to date, like all of a sudden, I mean, you mentioned having access to all of these emotions. Well, that took a while. That was not right? an immediate thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember being flooded with with all of a sudden, like, all of this anxiety, all of these feelings that I yeah. didn't know I could even experience, mm. all centered around, like, this one guy that I was trying to talk to. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that just, that being so overwhelming. And so, like, what yeah. what is going on? Like, why yeah. why am I feeling all of these things? Sure. And, and, I mean, it feels like adolescence. It feels like puberty all over again, that sense yeah. of, I don't know how to deal with any of this. Um, how did you work through some of that in your own life? So first of all, I want to say it is completely normal to have those feelings. So if you are, are somewhere where you're listening and thinking, oh my gosh, am I kind of the odd person out? 
not at all. This is absolutely, totally normal for those of us who've had this experience. There is a place where it doesn't jump right to being, oh, I have access to all these things. And I didn't mean to gloss that over earlier because that was a process of years. Um, But what I would encourage you with is be in it. Don't try to change it. Let those feelings be in you and move through you. Everyone who have who experienced adolescence the first time around, they had to move through them. I mean, they just let themselves be with it. And it's unfair, it's unfair to us to try to force ourselves to be in an emotional place that we're just not in. That in itself isn't authentic. And so I'd say be with it. For for me, something that helped, I've been been writing songs for gosh, I guess a couple decades at this point. And I wrote a lot of songs <laughs> when I first started coming out, um, wrote a lot of songs. Um, the first woman I ever fell in love with. I mean, Oh my gosh, talk about second adolescence. <laughs> I, <clears throat> I was writing songs all the time. I was nervous all the time. I had to run to the bathroom every five minutes when we were together. Um, I mean, my stomach was just in knots and, and, it's kind of this fun, I know it doesn't feel fun, adolescence the first time around probably (laughs) didn't feel fun for folks, but it's just kind of socially expected. But there's this, I would say just lean into it in the moments. Like this is how we were created, right? To experience kind of all of these physical and physiological and emotional experiences when, when love or, or even just having a crush is something that's there for us. Um, this is kind of how we were designed and what I felt, it, it felt like an awakening for me of, oh my, oh my gosh, how have I lived this long? I never had this experience. I mean, Matthias, it was, it was kind of ridiculous. I would turn on the radio and love songs would come on and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I understand this now. Totally. I feel this. Oh my gosh, I need to go to the store and get chocolate right uh-huh. now. And I, need to, uh-huh. I mean, it was it was this crazy thing of I love love. And I mean, any of my friends from college, my, my best friend especially, can attest, I was the love skeptic in college. <clears throat> I remember this beautiful time where we all watched the movie Fireproof and held hands and prayed for each other's future spouses and fireproofed each other's marriages. Oh my and gosh. <laughs> I don't think we prayed for a woman for me at that time, to be honest. But <laughs> um, but like I was like the biggest skeptic of like, why are we doing this? I'm never going to get married. All these things. Because I turned myself off to that possibility. And I think this is part of why this happens, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. When we're younger and we see all of our peers having this experience around love and we realize it's not connecting with us for some reason, maybe we are an adolescent, like, I don't know, we're, we're middle school, high school, we're not out yet, maybe not even out to ourselves, we just know we're different. And so what do we do? We flip that switch off when we are young and we don't even think about turning it back on until all of a sudden, oh my gosh, look at that person over there that I would never have allowed myself to even have this thought about before, that I'm really into them. And this is just a normal human experience, but now I'm actually giving my, myself permission to feel these things and to consciously process through it. And oh no, what just happened? I just flipped this switch on, right? And now I'm having all these feelings, like I'm in, I'm in adolescence again. And it's totally normal. Of course we, we turned that possibility off. How do you cope with something that you want, but you don't feel like you can have? You just 
we numb it often. Or sometimes people dive into it more. I mean, we all have different reactions. But I think it's totally normal because if we've, if we've turned off that part of ourselves and that part of our emotions, and I'm not even talking about sex right now. I'm not even talking about the physical part. I'm just talking about that emotional connection to another human being. If you, like me, <laughs> were someone who said this is never possible for me, but then all of a sudden, oh no, what if it is? Oh my gosh, what if this is a thing? Of course it's going to kind of dominate all of our senses. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, you just, that's when you just have to make a Spotify playlist and just have a lot of songs. That are, so that's what I did. I made a lot of Spotify playlists and then I wrote a lot of my own songs and that was a way for me to process through it. But also just to be in it. There's like something kind of fun to it when we're not focused on how scary it is. <laughs> totally. Like, and, and I feel like that's such an important thing because I feel like sometimes when we're in the middle of it, we can go the direction of, oh, this shouldn't be happening to me. Like mm-hmm. all of these other people figured this out years ago. Like what's wrong with me? So that's a place of shame. Mm. Um, or we can try to jump forward and get ourselves out of it by just like, by ignoring and, and pushing down all those feelings. Yeah. And and neither of those actually help. Like you're saying, like, we have to stay in it. Yeah, stay in we it. We have to experience it and move through it. And that's what creates the access. I know earlier I was talking about, I started getting access to all these emotions. That was still a few years later. But the reason I was able to get access to other emotions is I stopped ignoring my own heartbeat, right? I stopped ignoring the thoughts that were swimming in my mind. I stopped ignoring my own physicality. And okay, what happens if I acknowledge these things? If I am consciously aware of my emotional, physical, spiritual experience and with those realizations, what is now possible for me to experience and create? I mean, I I remember... I mean, I still do this, but <laughs> so I'm not past this yet. Um, but like, uh, I remember hearing someone talk about the, like anytime you're feeling that kind of fluttery anxiety, however it shows up, like that that adolescency feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, to write, like you you mentioned writing songs, I yeah. would just write in my journal. And, and this person that had had kind of given me this advice was was like, just write down everything that comes to mind and she was like, sometimes it will sound like you're a five-year-old. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like that gave me the freedom to just write it all down and look over. And it does look like reading over something a five-year-old would yeah. write. Like this person hates me or this person's in love mm-hmm. with me or like whatever. But like being able to write it down and then look at it was, was so helpful and calming to just mm-hmm. get it out of my body and somewhere else. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is it doesn't have to mean anything. They're just body sensations. They're just feelings that are moving through us. It doesn't have to mean anything about you. It's just something that's happening to you in the moment. So I think where we get stuck in this is when we say, oh my gosh, this means I'm not emotionally mature, or this means I'll never be ready for a committed relationship, or this me right? Like that's where we get caught. It doesn't, what's happening is, oh, I have butterflies oh my gosh, I don't feel like I can eat because I'm so nervous. Oh my goodness, I am thinking about this person all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm twirling an apple in the stem. Does, does she love me? Does she love me not? Does she love me? Like, it's okay. That's just what's happening. It, but it doesn't have to mean anything about who we are or inform our identity other than, okay, this is this thing. Yeah, because it's so easy to get stuck in that place of 
shoulds and shouldn'ts. Yeah, like absolutely. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I should have gotten past this. I should have figured this out years ago. Yeah. And that's not true. Right. That's actually something I talk to with, with my clients a lot about is what would it look like if there was a spirit of non-judgment over your own life? This isn't right or wrong. It just is. What does that change? What does that open up? And it doesn't mean it's throwing out your total moral compass. But what happens if this kind of judgment we keep on ourselves, like we're analyzing ourselves as we go along? What if that was removed for just a second? And we could just see something as, oh, this just is, this just is. And if I don't like it, I can change it. But what does that free us up for if we're not applying all this extra meaning to what's happening for us? I'd love to hear your love story. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're married. <laughs> Stacy's amazing. She's like, amazing. <laughs> you guys are like kindred, kindred spirits. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, I want to hear like what that was like, especially with this idea of second adolescence and the butterflies yeah. and that. Because I think like those feelings, like anytime you meet someone new that you're like interested in, like mm-hmm. you're not, those aren't going to go away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, your love story. Yeah. So... So Stace and I, her name's Stacy. I just call her Stace. Um, so we met, um, we met, I think in 2015, this was actually funny. Um, she picked me up from the GCN at the t- conference at the time, QCF now. So she's a friend of a friend and this friend and I had gone to the conference together and Stacy picked us up and I was just like totally disinterested in her as a person because it was that thing where it's like, oh, my really good friend, like also has this other really good friend. And what does that mean about our friendship? I was a little dramatic about it. Um, (laughs) I was also really tired after the conference. So, Mm -hmm. but I do remember that she picked us up and then she moved over to the passenger seat. My friend drove and (laughs) she was reading this book called, I think it's called how to understand rap. And it's really funny. And it takes a line from a rap song and then it explains it in like layman's terms but it's, I mean, it's hilarious. I'll have to send you a screenshot. Of I, a I think I read it in your apartment. You, you probably before. have. Yeah. You probably it's like, have. it's like the whitest thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and if you, if you've met Stace, like she, she comes across, I mean, she is very nurturing, but comes across as just like, you know, really reasonable and sensible. And then just to see this whole other side of her right away of like, Hey, here's some of my favorite rap songs and here's what they mean. Like, it was just really funny. And, um, so Stace, <laughs> Stace was the token, I'm, I'm using air quotes, straight girl in the friend group, in the mostly all gay friend group. And literally her nickname was Straight C. <laughs> um, yeah. So she had never dated a woman before. And um, there was something about like, she knows I'm gay. She knows all the people I'm dating or thinking about dating or have t- whatever. So she knew all my stuff and we were operating under these two different labels and it just seems like it wasn't a thing. Like it just was off limits. So it didn't really cross my mind. However, as we started hanging out, there, there were a couple of times where I'm like, there's definitely a vibe here. And if I didn't know any better, <laughs> I would think there was a vibe here. <laughs> um, but like, she would just kind of shut it down. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, so we kind of, she was one of my best friends for like a year before we started dating. 
And um, we definitely were a lot more affectionate than I am with any of my other friends. So I'm sure there were signs along the way, but it was like this label thing, right? Of like, oh, straight, gay, guess we're like, that's never going to be a thing. And over time, we just kind of had this little come to Jesus conversation of like, what is actually happening here? Um, and she, again, she had never dated a woman and her story is different than mine. She, she does not identify as, as straight. Um, I, she doesn't really use a label, but I think she would use bi if, if anything. And her experience was different than mine. Although I don't want to tell too much of her story, but it wasn't like totally out of left field that she was attracted to me and we started dating, but it was completely a new experience. And there was actually one point at the beginning of our relationship where I was like, Hey, I'm not going to ask you to do this for me. So we can pretend we never had this conversation if you want, because I know what it's going to be like. I know what you're now going to have ahead of you if you choose this path. And like, obviously I care about you so much, but I'm willing to step back if this isn't a process like you want to go through. And we had um, some challenges. I mean, her, her just stuff with family, stuff with some friends. It was kind of not totally a second coming out process for me, but um, it was just, it was a unique experience and I wouldn't have done it any differently. I mean, she, to, to be able to marry my best friend is the coolest thing ever. And we dated for, I think like two and a half years before we got engaged. Um, and it, it was just wonderful. I, I think the thing that was so great about, and it still is wonderful, but the thing that was so great about dating, and I remember I would, I would chat with my therapist and I was like, okay, I'm concerned because this feels too easy. Is this right? Is it supposed to be like this? Because it feels really easy to be with her. And I was under the impression that relationships are supposed to be stressful. <laughs> and my therapist kind of laughed. I was like, that's actually great. That's really good. That's, that's healthy. I was like, oh, this is great. So she's amazing. Um, we're, we're pretty opposite in a lot of everything. Um, and you could probably speak to that even more, more than I can knowing us <laughs> from, from an outside perspective, she, where she is reasonable and organized and nurturing, um, I am a little bit chaotic and creative and spontaneous and um, kind of like this ball of scattered energy. Mm. And she's more linear and it's great. Like we, um, I think we balance each other out really well. And then it's really fun for me when she gets in spontaneous mode and it's really fun and confusing for her when I get in planning mode, like I did for our honeymoon where I mapped out like every day in Europe. <laughs> she was like, who are you? Who did I marry? <laughs> so I love her so much. She's amazing. And yeah, it's, I, it's really fun to be married. Marriage is never something I thought was, was for me. And to be able to get to do life with someone that you care about so much and that challenges you and that you can laugh with, it's, it's really fun. Um, we do a lot of mundane things like go to the grocery store across the street together. And, uh, I try to have us get as much sushi as possible because they have great sushi. And (laughs) so we do just, you know, mundane things. We do fun things too. Our honeymoon is a blast, but yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, it's just been uh, watching you two come alive together as as this relationship has yeah. turned into a marriage. Like uh, you can have for all of it for the whole thing. <laughs> like oh my gosh, Matthias! The weekend we stayed together at TRP. 
Mm-hmm. She was, was it that weekend? No, it was the other TRP. But like, that's part of how we knew. She was so mad at me at the first TRP when we were just friends because I wasn't like texting her back fast because I was hanging out with all these like LGBTQ folks that were amazing. Right. And I'm like, why is she so mad? I didn't know until I got back. <laughs> and then we started dating shortly after the one where you and I were roommates. Yep. So you've been there the whole time. Yeah, it's been fun to watch. Yeah. uh, So uh, how can people find your work, Sarah? Um, Well, my my website's coachkessler.com, and that's going to have links to speaking, to organizational trainings, and and one-on-one coaching. But primarily, you can go to the Christian Closet, and you can find me there. You can connect with me there. Um, I, yeah, I love working with Candace and the whole team. They're incredible. So right now, that's the best place to to find me and get a hold of me. And yeah. In- Instagram, Twitter? Oh, yeah. Uh, Instagram and Twitter at the Coach Kessler, K-E-S-S-L-E-R. Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely. This was so amazing. I have loved having this conversation with you, Matthias, and I just... I'm so proud of you and love what you do so much. You're inspiring so many people. It's so sweet. You can find Sarah over at coachcustler.com and explore her work over at The Christian Closet at thechristiancloset.com. She's on Twitter and Instagram at thecoachkessler. Queerology is on Twitter and Instagram at queerologypod, or you can tweet me directly at Matthias Roberts. Queerology has produced with support from over 230 Patreon supporters. To find out how you can help keep Queerology on the air, head over to MatthiasRoberts.com support. A really easy way to help support Queerology is by leaving a rating and a review. You can do that right in your podcast app or head over to MatthiasRoberts.com review and it'll take you right there. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of what you want to hear on the podcast or just want to say hi, reach out. I'll get back to you. And until next week, y'all, bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.